Mickey Wright, and I want to welcome you to Beauty Superstars Talk, your backstage pass to experts in beauty. I believe success leaves clues, and if you want to be the best, you have to hang out with the best. This podcast allows you to do just that. I've spent my career as an award-winning hairstylist, independent educator, and salon coach who's helped tens of thousands to get more clients and make more money. I was also one of the first African-American owners of a full-service salon and day spa in the country. In short, I love beauty, business, and peeking backstage. If that sounds like you, I invite you to join me each week as I bring you the best and brightest Black artists and entrepreneurs in the beauty industry to share their stories, leave you with tips, tricks, and insights to take your business to the next level, and to take you backstage in their part of the industry. So if you're ready, let's go. Hello. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) Welcome, everyone. Um, This is Beauty Superstars Talk, and um, this is your backstage pass to Experts in Beauty. And my name is Mickey Wright, and I'm the founder of the Beauty Beauty Superstars Online Academy. And I'm your host for today. So I want to thank you for being here and um, also invite you to subscribe if you're on YouTube and ring the bell so you won't miss any of our upcoming guests and um, any of the amazing stories that they have to bring you. And we have a super exciting guest today. So um, let's just see if I need to adjust anything right here. And... um, she has actually conquered. Uh oh, we're seeing her hand there. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no problem. Um, I would say conquered the world of editorial and sessions hairstyling. And her career has taken her all around the world, as well as backstage at the Mercedes Benz um, Fashion Week, as well as Philadelphia Fashion Week. And I'd say she's a little bit of rock and roll and and always committed to diversity and inclusion in the beauty industry. And her name is Miss Kia Sterling. So I want to welcome you. Thank <laughs> and, you, Mickey. Uh, yeah, it's like I, I wanted to share. It's like uh, earlier you asked me about, um, you know, how did Beauty Superstars talk get started? And I just wanted to share a little bit for anyone who may be joining us for the first time or anyone who may be wondering the same thing. And so um, it basically was born out of the racial unrest that um, came after the tragic murder of George Floyd. And as the tensions rose in the world, they also spilled over into the beauty industry. And it's still actually one of the most segregated um, industries in the in the world. And so um, during that time, I actually had the pleasure and honor to be on a couple of calls with um, a lot of black artists um, in almost every part of the professional beauty industry. And some of the artists I knew and some of them I did not. And it was kind of a get to know each other um, type of, of um, you know, Zoom call, if you will. Yeah, I, was, I was on that call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there were so many people and um, I left feeling extremely inspired by the stories that I heard. And um, many of the artists expressed, you know, having really hurtful experiences, um, you know, with racism within the industry. But none of the people who were there obviously had let that stop them from being um, amazing artists and excelling in their industry or in their part of the industry. And so I left the the meetings feeling like these stories 
need to be told, have to be told, and um, not by someone else, but by the artists themselves. And I wanted to, um, you know, extend my platform to be able to um, to be able to host that. And um, it's here, you know, Beauty Superstars. I think this is our 11th episode. So I'm excited about the guests that I've had in the past because I've had some amazing people. And the lineup, it just keeps coming. So it's like I'm super excited about the folks that are to come. And it's really designed to create a safe space for Black artists in the beauty industry to be able to tell their stories. And in the meantime, take us all backstage with them and share their secrets of success. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome tonight's guest, which is Miss Kia Sterling. So welcome. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Mickey. I think you are amazing. This platform is so necessary and needed. So I'm so proud of you. Oh, you're, well, making a, you. you're making a difference. Thank you. Thank you. That is my my aim and my hope and my intention. So it's like I do want to help to, um, you know, enhance. And it's like, you know, the beauty industry is in my blood and um, it's like it's near and dear to my heart. And it's like I want to see it excel and be all that it can be. And I also don't want these stories of, um, you know, all of this amazing work that is going on in the world to go un documented you know i think this is actually a part of healing a part of um our um um inspiration you know inspiration mm -hmm. and education it's like when we can see people who are doing amazing things it's like oh my gosh it's like i might be able to do that you know mm -hmm. and so um that's you know exactly why i'm doing this and hello to everybody who's joining us if you want you can put your name and where you're coming in from um in the um in the chat, wherever you happen to be on, uh, we're on YouTube and on in our Beauty Superstars group. We have a private group that everybody in there likes to tune Hi, in. Hi, everyone. On, on comments. And, um, and also we're on a Beauty Superstars um, page, uh, which is really my Salon Biz Coach page on Facebook as well. So um, let's see. I'd like to start with your bio and just share a little bit about you before we jump right in. So I'm going to read through this. Um, Kia Sterling is a world-renowned celebrity and editorial artist based in New York City, Philadelphia, and Los Angeles. With over 25 years experience in the beauty and fashion industry, she travels the world educating on the latest trends in runway and editorial hair, creative wig making and design, and luxury extension techniques. So anybody getting excited just about those few things, it's like, woo! <laughs> so she's quickly become one of the most sought after hairstylists and educators worldwide and a driving force in fashion and beauty, as you can see from her, uh, her presence Aww. here. <laughs> Thank you. And I love your hair. You have to tell us about that. So give me a Thank minute. You. Ask you about that. <laughs> um, and so her trendsetting style that she describes as rock and refined has been featured in major publications such as Cosmopolitan, Zinc, Allure, Vogue Italia. Um, and countless others, as well as television and advertisements such as Maybelline, Avalon, and the Tony Awards. Um, season after season, Kia leads hair for major runway shows such as Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week, which is in New York City, and Philadelphia Fashion Week. Um, Kia was handpicked by multi-Naha winner Charlie Price of Bravo's hit show Sheer Genius to join forces and be an artist on his acclaimed artistic team, The Beauty Underground. He is also a platform artist and educator for Indeed Hair, the top luxury extension hair brands in the industry. And Kia is represented by the Gleam Project. 
As a fashion and beauty expert, Kia has been invited to be a guest editor and featured artist in many publications where her views, tips, and expertise are often quoted. Kia has extensive salon experience from boutique to high fashion. Her experience extends from precision cutting, custom coloring, flawless extension work, wig making and design, luxury hair care, couture styling, and texture specialist and enthusiast. Kia believes in healthy hair first and education is her key at, to her growth as a stylist, which she shares with her fabulous clients at Hair Teak Color and Design in Philadelphia. Kia believes she's living the best of both worlds as a session and salon hair artist. This affords her the opportunity to share her passion to the fullest in creating beauty for people of all walks of life who enjoy the Kia Sterling hair lifestyle. Kia believes that diversifying your artistry will keep your career exciting and fresh. She lives for her motto, which is evolve, inspire, create, and share as she is a strong believer in giving back and embraces her philanthropy work. So we want to welcome you, Miss Amazing uh, Artist. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm yes. so yeah. yeah, and um, I want to just like backtrack a little bit, because I mentioned just like some of the artists on the uh, calls I knew and some I didn't. And you and I had the pleasure of meeting kind of by chance at a hair show in Vegas. I don't know if you remember or not, but <laughs> I do. It was actually in um, Long Beach. In Long Beach. Okay. Okay. In Long Beach. Uh -huh. Yeah, and we were in the elevator together, I think. And <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, it's Mickey Wright. It's Mickey Wright. <laughs> I remember very well. Okay, and, and we were, it turned out, staying on the same floor and everything. So it was mm -hmm. uh, super great to meet you in person. And Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so first, before we jump into everything, tell us about your hair, because I can't can't tell exactly what's going on there, but it looks really cool. Well, it's braided. It's a braided wig. I don't really want to take it all the way off because it's not quite finished at the top. Okay, you don't have you know, to. I had to, <laughs> I had to put a hat on so nobody would know but us. But it's a braided wig that I made and I added beads to it. So these are like individuals, if you can see. Oh my God. So they're like, these, this is the size of it. And wow. me and my assistant put these beads on one by one. Well, we used wow. that long strand thing. It still took a long time, though. It's yeah. all the way through. But wow. I love it. I love it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Thank it you. just shows your creativity and why you are where you are. So <laughs> thank you so much. I love it. Yeah. I love all kinds of fun things. Like, I don't take hair that seriously. Healthy hair, yes. But uh -huh. fashion hair is just supposed to be fun. Right. Let loose. You know, explore. I can just take this. In fact, this morning when I was talking to you, I had a red afro. Okay. So. <laughs> I change my hair all the time. Yeah. Hourly well, sometimes. The beauty so. of it, right? The beauty of the beauty industry. It's fun. So it's fun. a little bit about like how you got started in hair. It's like, was, was it something that you just, you know, came out of the womb and were ready to do something creative mm -hmm. or what? No, I really got introduced to beauty through my mom. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was raised in the 70s and I thought my mom was the end all, be all, most beautiful woman on the planet. You know, she had the nice afro. She had the pretty nails. She wore the pretty makeup with the long lashes. She was giving me like Angela Davis vibes, but on a glamorous level. 
Okay. So I used to just sit on the edge of the bed every morning with her and just watch her do her hair and her makeup. And I was just mesmerized by it. You know, I was like, oh my God. And then my auntie, who's her sister, she was the same way. Now, when I say this to them today, they both look at me like, I wasn't that glamorous. I'm like, you gotta remember, <laughs> I was six years old looking at you guys. You may think you weren't, but you were. And when I look at pictures right. of my mom, she's like, you consider that glamour? I'm like, yeah, I do. But anyway, so, you know, the women in my family were very glamorous and I just found myself very attracted to beauty. And then my dad was huge in music. He loved music. I mean, I think he had like 10,000 albums or something. And, you know, he used to play like, Diana Ross and Donna Summers. This is when I was growing up. So those were my icons in my head. Like I thought Donna Summer was the end all be all in my eyes. I just thought she was so glamorous, so beautiful. And I always loved her hair. She had this amazing, of course, I'm like 10 years old. I didn't know it was big, but she had this amazing hair. And I just always would look at it and be like, wow. Now I'm a little girl, you know, so I'm still walking around with like barrettes with like, well, this is when little girls used to wear ribbons. So I would wear my ribbons and I just wanted to be like this. So I used to take my um, turtleneck sweater, wrap it around my head and make my hair really, really long. And I, <laughs> and I would like sing in a mirror and perform like I was Donna Summer. You couldn't tell me I was swinging my hair like, yes, you know? So I was just always attracted to like music, beauty, um, I used to be a dancer. I danced for Philodenko, which is one of the top, the top, let me take that back. Philodenko is the top school in the country, besides, of course, Alvin Ailey. But wow. I studied there. I started dancing when I was four, danced all through elementary school, middle school, high school. Then I twit danced. So I have a dance background. And then my dad, who was an actor, like he, he taught um, drama at a, a studio here called Freedom Theater of Philadelphia. So I think I got a lot of my creativity from my dad's side. And I used to just kind of hang out with him a lot. And we listened to music. And I think all of it kind of intertwined. Fashion, yeah. beauty, music. It's all kind of under the same umbrella. And then my neighbor, I think I was telling you earlier, um, my neighbor, I was like eight years old. And she used to braid everybody's hair. And I didn't know how to braid. So I used to just watch her. I used to sit on the steps and watch her braid. And she was like, I'm going to show you how to do it. So one day she showed me how to braid. Of course, it's something you need to practice to make perfect. But I started braiding my baby dolls. And I was like, so just like, oh, my God, this is so cool. This is amazing. I need to, like, practice this more and really get good at it. And so I started braiding my baby dolls. And then I started um, middle school. When I started middle school, I was very into fashion. I was into fashion when I was really young as a child. My mom started to let me dress myself. So how she would dress me was very different how I would do it. So I would put these outfits together like they didn't really match to her. And she was like, okay, if that's what you want to look like, okay, whatever. So I was fascinated by fashion and beauty. And then now I'm in middle school. So now I'm old enough to like do my own hair. Mm. That's where it got crazy. <laughs> because I remember I had a hairstylist in middle school. And when I was in ninth grade, I had in my head that I was a hairstylist. Like, I had this in my head. So I decided to put a relaxer in my hair. And I put a relaxer in my hair. 
overprocessed it terribly. Hair was falling out. I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. My mom was like, what did you do? <laughs> like you, you should have just gone to the hairdresser. And I'm like, well, mom, you know, I think I know, I don't know, but I'm thinking I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I'm like, all my hair is coming out. So I finally went to my hairdresser. He told me he had to cut all my hair off. And I'm like, are you serious? Like I'm going to high school. I'm going to, I was actually, I had a boyfriend and I was going on his prom. I'm like, I can't be a freshman going on a senior prom, bald headed. Like this is <laughs> insane. Like, um, he cut my hair in the very beginning of my freshman year. By the spring, hair grows back, but I don't know this because I'm 14 and I'm thinking my hair is never going to grow back. It grew back beautifully. It was amazing. By the spring of that year, when I went to my boyfriend's prom, my hair looked awesome. So I was like, wow, that really piqued my interest. Yeah. I feel like that that eight months really piqued my interest. And I, at that time, I used to go to a salon in Philly. Um, uh, oh, what was the name of it? Ostavant. That was the name of it. It was on Spruce Street. It was on like a swanky neighborhood in um, Center City, Philadelphia. And it was like all the cool people went there. And that's where I got my hair done. And my hairdresser was a gay Spanish guy who was, you know, I was maybe 16 at this time. He was probably 40. So a, to a 16 year old, a 40 year old is old. And I just didn't think he was cool. He did my mom's hair, my aunt's hair, my whole family's hair. But he had a younger girl that worked there named Janet. And Janet is probably watching this. I want to cry in a minute. But he had a young girl working there named Janet. She was in her 20s. She might have been about 24. And I wanted all my hair cut off because I was about to go to college. And I wanted to have that Anita Baker look. This was in 1987. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I want Janet to cut my hair. So he was like, well, go on over there with Janet then. So I'm like, okay. Janet inspired me so much to become a hairstylist. So she is probably my first connection to hair. And when she would do my hair, we would talk about it. And I will stalk her in the salon and stalk the assistants and stalk yeah. all the stylists and what they were doing and how they were doing it. And she was fine and she was sexy. I just was like, I want to be like Janet when I grow up. <laughs> so Janet was really my inspiration in the beginning to go to cosmetology school. But, you know, I'm 16, 17. I'm like, uh, my family, I come from a family where you go to college, period. Yeah. Everybody went to college in my family. All my cousins have degrees. So I'm thinking, okay, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. So graduated from high school, of course, went to college. And then all I wanted to do in hair in college was do hair. That's all I thought about. It's like, I'm doing hair. I'm over here failing my chemistry class because I'm worrying about trying to do hair. I have no interest in being here. But I had fun. <laughs> and a ball. I had so much fun in college, it's not even funny. But anyway, so, you know, I spent my first, I, I finished two years. And after my, after my second year, I was going into my junior year and I came home and I told my parents, I said, listen, I really need to talk to you. We got to have a sit down. And they were like, sure. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm so scared. So what am I going to do? They're going to kill me. So I'm like, um, so uh, I really don't want to go back to college. So my dad was like, okay, what do you want to do? And he said it just like that. And I'm like, um, I want to be a hairstylist. And he was like, okay, cool. My mom was like, sounds good. 
my dad said, go find a cosmetology school and I'll pay for it. And I was like, that's it? <laughs> I went through all of this. Last <laughs> night, thinking y'all were going to kill me because right. I didn't want to go to college and I didn't want 99 degrees like everybody else has in my family. <laughs> you know, my cousins are doctors, lawyers, pharmacists, engineers. Like, I'm like, that is so not me at all. <laughs> like, at, at, at all. Right. Like, okay, cool. But it was just so interesting how that's why I always tell people, like, we really had to express ourselves because you never know the outcome. Mm -hmm. Right. And for at least three years, I knew I wanted to be a hairstylist, but I was so fearful. And it was like, I remember it was in 19, I think it was 85. I was watching the Academy Awards. Don't quote me on this year, because I might be wrong, but it was somewhere in the 80s. And I was watching the Academy Awards and Debbie Allen, who was like everything in my head. Debbie Allen was, she choreographed the Academy Awards that year. Mm -hmm. And because I had a dance background, I, you know, at the same time, I wanted to be a dancer. It was like dancer, hairdresser, dancer, hairdresser. And I was watching it with my dad and I said, I want to do what she does. And he was, he told me, he said, because he was an actor too. And he said that, you know, that's a very difficult industry to get in. And I remember him saying that we never really talked about it too much after that, but I just kind of remember him saying that, but he didn't say it about hair. So I right. think that's why I kind of went towards hair more so than dance, but they both were my passion. Like even to this day, dance is my passion. So um, so my dad said, go find a cosmetology school, pay for it, um, found a school, studied. I, I, I was right where I needed to be. I was so happy. I wanted to study. I got straight A's on my test. Like I knew I was where I needed to be. This is where I was supposed to be. I wasn't supposed to be in college. I was on academic probation all the time. <laughs> the whole time I was at school, like too busy partying and doing hair. <laughs> um, so then, you know, um, I started cosmetology school. And when I graduated, um, I took my state board, passed my test the first time. I was so stressed. I'll never forget that. I was so stressed out. But passed my boards the first time. Um, and then um, I assisted in the salon. I, I met a young lady who came to our school for a job fair and she was looking for an assistant mm -hmm. and we connected. So she took me on board. I was her assistant. Um, I learned a lot in that salon. Um, the salon, it was a very diverse salon too, um, but it was my first salon. That was the first time I saw Jewish women getting relaxers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now this was 1991, I think, 91, right? I saw Jewish women getting relaxers and I was blown away by that. I was like, oh my God, like Jewish women actually have hair like ours. Interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. hmm. So that was an awesome experience. And then I worked through some, some other salons in Philly. And, but flashback to when I was in high school, I used to cut out the pictures in like Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Elle magazine. I would cut out all the pictures that I was really attracted to and plaster them all on my walls in my room. So when you walked into my bedroom, all you saw was like fashion, hair, and all, it got all the way up onto my ceiling. So now we're gonna move forward. So I always had an attraction to that, but I didn't know what to do with it. I just knew I thought it was pretty and somehow I would like to be a part of it, but I didn't know how to be a part of it. So let's fast forward to 
um, let's fast forward to 10 years ago. So okay. I skipped some years in there, but I worked in a lot of different salons, had cool experiences, but things started to change for me 10 years ago. Um, I started working at a salon in Philly and um, the owner of the salon suggested that me and one of the other stylists do a photo shoot like for the salon. We were new stylists there, so we had just been there maybe two months. And she said, you know, I want to set up a photo shoot for you guys. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm excited. Now, I had only done one photo shoot prior. That was maybe six years prior. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm excited about this photo shoot. So in my head, I kind of never really did a photo shoot. It's like my first photo shoot. Didn't really know what to do, but I thought about it. Like, I don't know, who should I use as a model? And one of my clients at that time was a professional model. Well, she still is a professional model. And um, she had just moved to New York. And her best friend, whose hair I also did, I was having a conversation with her one day. And I said, I need a model for this photo shoot. And she said, oh, my God, hit up Ashley. And I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot. Ashley moved to New York. Ashley would be perfect. So Ashley came back to Philly to do this photo shoot with me. And it's so interesting because... I think sometimes we as artists, we don't know our power. And sometimes we're faced with fears because we feel like we're not worthy or we can't really do this. And then this is why it's so important to keep the right circle around you. You want people who are gonna clap for you no matter what, people who are gonna cheer you on. And I remember choosing my model and did the photo shoot Funny thing about it was the photographer that was chosen happened to have worked with the model prior. So they already had a relationship. Okay. But I, re- I remember doing that shoot and how nervous I was because everybody in the salon had already been published. Mm-hmm. Had like some of them had magazine covers, some had been published. So I'm like the new kid on the block. I don't have any of this type of work. I'm, I'm working my way towards that. And I could tell about the set that day that they were blown away by the hair that I did. I wish I had found that hair too, but I had to find it so I could show it to you. But they were blown away by the hair that I did and how well my model performed. And like, she chose a model. I didn't choose my cousin. I didn't choose my girlfriend because she's cute. I knew, and I had, I'm not even shoot experience. I knew that I couldn't sh- choose just some cute girl that I needed a professional model. So my model murdered the shoot and I murdered the hair. <laughs> Good combination. <laughs> yes, combination. It was a bloody murder scene. And, you know, I was so proud of myself. And I remember the energy, like, at the salon being like, oh, my God, I can't believe she did that. Because I wasn't supposed to be where they are. You know, you know when you feel that. Mm-hmm. Come on now, we all know. Right. So, you know, I'm like, okay, so this is something I really, that's when I realized, like, this is something I really want to pursue because it was fascinating to me. So um, I started doing a lot of research. Use Google, people. Use Google. (laughs) Talk to us. Use (laughs) Google. 
I'm trying to tell you. But I got to go back a few years because I have a cousin who suggested to me, I was not on social media. This was before Instagram. This is when only Facebook was out. And she kept telling me, get on Facebook, get on Facebook. And I'm like, for what? Like, I don't have a reason to get on. She's like, you have a business. You need to be on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what year this was, but this was like maybe, what year did Facebook come out? It was around that time, whatever year that was. 2009, I think. 2009, right? It was around that time. So I kept like battling it out with her. Like, I don't need Facebook. That's crazy. Only like, I'm thinking people stalk people on social media. I didn't know because I wasn't on there, so I didn't know. <laughs> um, but this salon I was working at, in order to work there, you had to have a Facebook mm-hmm. because the owner did a lot of promoting on Facebook. She needed to yep. tag you. It was just a lot of stuff that she did on social media. So I'm like, uh, so I was forced to get Facebook. That was the only reason why <laughs> I got a Facebook. Thank God I got a Facebook. So... I started really utilizing Google, doing research, figuring out like, how do you build a portfolio? Mm-hmm. You know, um, how do you build a team? I want to build a portfolio, but I don't know how to build a team. I don't know what to look for. I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. So I gathered a lot of information off of Google, um, started following some really amazing photographers and makeup artists on Facebook. And I knew a couple of dope photographers here in Philly, and I just started doing um, some testing with them. And, um, you know, we had experiences where all of the experiences were really positive in the very beginning. Um, I worked with some awesome photographers, and, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm so new at this, but they were kind of looking at me like I was seasoned. And I'm like, this is only like my third photo shoot. Like, I didn't really know what I was doing. But... I picked up really quickly and I, I just kind of knew what needed to happen. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like that was an area that just spoke to me. Right. Like session work. Just, I knew exactly what I wanted to see. I knew what heat the photographer should be seeing. You know, I kind of easily figured it out. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I studied fashion for so long mm-hmm. since high school, since probably ninth or 10th grade. I just studied fashion magazines. So, um, you know, building my portfolio in Philly was really cool. And then I knew one day I was like, you know what? I need to start doing some work in New York. And that's when things started changing. Um, I met with Stephanie Matthews on Twitter, who's one of my mentors, who I'm actually shooting with this weekend. Um, She's like a real big photographer. She's fabulous. And I reached out to her. And I was so afraid because I'm like, oh my gosh, she's like this bomb photographer and I'm just a little old kid. And I showed her my work and she was like, I have a shoot, I have a test I'm doing in New York and um, next month I'm coming to, she's in Ohio. She's like, I'm coming to Philly. I'm sorry, I'm coming to New York and I want to bring you on. It's 14 models. Can you do it? I'm like, yes. <laughs> 14 models? I was like, 14 models? I didn't even hesitate. I was like, yes. I'm like, how am I going to do 14 models? <laughs> like, what is going on with me? I, but I was like, I'm not going to say no. Because I right. needed to connect with her. Like, I needed to connect with her. So, I bought an assistant, and we knocked it out. And I did some beautiful work. And um, so, things just started, like, rolling from that point on, I just started like just 
connecting with photographers, connecting with makeup artists, with fashion stylists, building my portfolio. Then I started, um, photographers I was working with started um, submitting for publishing. Mm. So then I started, I've been published, I don't even know, it's hundreds of times, hundreds. <laughs> like I, I lost count, but, um, and I'm just so grateful for the experience and people really believing in me because mm. I believed in myself, but I always had a doubt you know how you believe in yourself, but then it's always just like, girl, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? Yeah, <laughs> that type of thing. That voice. That voice, right. And then I'm like, oh, girl, you go back over here because I know I can do this. You know, so. Um, and then, you know, the salon I was working with, which was an awesome salon, but I didn't really get a lot of support there because mm -hmm. at the time, I'm still a, be a baby in it. So I got laughed at, I got teased, you know, like, what is she doing? She's always in New York. She's always, and I'm like, I have a goal and I'm focused. Yeah. Like, so focused. Yeah. I have a goal. I don't even see any yeah. of you. I don't see it because that's how you get sidetracked. And then you start believing what other people say. And then that's the way we easily doubt ourselves because we start hearing these voices because people say, oh, well, you can't do that because you work in the salon. And I'm like, yeah, but um, it's tons of hairstylists that work in the salon and also do set work. <laughs> they also do television, they also do film, they also do air came Like, what are you talking about? It's very, very possible to do both. Mm -hmm. And I proved that it was possible. So, so yeah, that's pretty much how it got started. Wow. Yep. Well, that is, is so exciting to hear. It's like, I hope everybody else is like, as tuned in as I am, it's like, I like was, taking notes. So if you saw me looking down, it's like, that's what I was doing. <laughs> it's like just capturing little bits, but you know, it's like you really spoke to following your path, you know, mm -hmm. talking to your parents and knowing what's in your heart. So is there any, yeah. anything that you could suggest for anyone else who may be kind of like on the fence? Like, I, I think I can do this. But, you know, I want to pursue it, but I'm a little, you know, definitely. The up. first thing is you really have to believe in yourself. That's for starters. You just have to start to manifest it, speak it as if it is like, you have to just see it. You have to, it's, I know it sounds so corny, <laughs> but you gotta see it. Like I know and to me, sometimes it sounds so corny when I say stuff, I'm like, that sounds so corny, but it's real. Like you have right. to see it. And I saw it, like everything I was doing, I actually saw it. So you had to see it and you had to work hard. Mm -hmm. You had to work hard. You had to make connections. You had to perfect your craft, mm -hmm. practice. I have mannequins all over my apartment. I'm always mm -hmm. pulling something out like, oh, let me see if I can duplicate this. Let me see if I can practice this. This is an area I need to strengthen. Let me practice this area. You know, a lot of stylists, sometimes, especially stylists who've been in the industry as long as me, um, we get really, really comfortable mm -hmm. and we feel like, oh my God, I, don't, I can't learn anything from anyone. I'm, I've been doing hair. I've been a hairstylist for 29 years. It'll be wow. 30 years next year. I've had a license. I, I can learn. I've learned from my assistant. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. I'm a sponge. Mm -hmm. I want to know everything and everything and everything. <laughs> like I'm a sponge. I, I'm very observant. And we had to get off our own high horses saying that we know everything and be willing to learn from everybody, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and do your research, do your research, learn how to pack, pack a proper kit, 
Make sure your kit is immaculate, clean, flat iron. <laughs> make sure your tools are clean. The reason why I said that's an, I'll get into that when we start talking about Fashion Week, but um, making sure that your kit is really clean. Um, even like if you want to work with celebrities, I remember years ago when I first started working with celebrities, one of my makeup artist friends said to me, you got to step your kit up. And I said, well, what's wrong with my kit? And he's <laughs> like, you need to get this. You need to get that. You need to get a Mason Pearson brush. That's like $250. You need to get the top of the line because that's what celebrities expect. So if you're going to work with a higher end, you know, group of women and men, then everything about you has to seek that, including your kids. So I'll never forget him saying that he was a makeup artist. too. he was a makeup artist I worked with. And he mentioned that to me. And I was like, I ran out right the next day and set my kid up just like that. I was like, okay. And did research on that too. You know, we just have to do the homework. We don't, everything is not always working doing hair mm -hmm. sometimes it's actually doing the research prior to doing hair and a lot of people don't want to do the homework they just don't i mean right. i would be up all night long researching <laughs> we had to go into the salon the next day then we'll have a photo shoot that night because i was <laughs> test shooting crazy in like 2011 and 12. i was just going like bonkers just testing 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 because i needed to see my work mm -hmm. One so, camera. So tell us, like, what is a test shoot? Well, Walk a test shoot basically, a test shoot basically is when you create a team, a photographer, hairstylist, of course, would be me, or whoever's watching, makeup artist, um, and fashion stylist, and model. Mm -hmm. And you can also work with a designer, but that would be more of the stylist. Um, and you come together with some of the same creative ideas and you create a shoot based around it. So this shoot is not necessarily for anything specifically. Mm -hmm. It's just so you guys can kind of play around and see, you know, where you guys are creatively. And then maybe you can use these images for your portfolio. Sometimes mm -hmm. if they're really great images, the photographer will submit them to um, publications, mm -hmm. but it's something that I encourage people. And I literally used to test shoot in 2011 and 12, probably three days a week. Three days a week. Wow. Yeah. Because I needed to get, get it together quick. You're going to get better with anything that you do with All that. All the time. And I knew that the more anything you do, the more you do it, you get better. And I knew doing it once a month at that time, at my age, mm -hmm. I'll be 51 next month. I didn't have a wow. lot of time to wait. <laughs> so well, that time, thank you. <laughs> But at that time, I'm, I was probably like 40, I, I don't know, two maybe. But I, I was like, okay, I need to kind of rush this along so I don't have time to. And it was so cool because a lot of the photographers I was working with at the time, they were down to shoot. And I was like, I leave the salon at 7 o'clock. Can we shoot at 8 o'clock? You know what I mean? Like, we just shot at night, you know, just worked it out. So with the photographers and makeup artists, like the stylists, the fashion stylists, um, are they more like more in the novice category where they're trying to build their books or yes. are they? Okay. Yes. So, so everybody's pretty much on the same, same page. Yeah. Okay. You always okay. want to try to try to find people that are kind of on the same page as you mm -hmm. because the ex expectation is like on an even playing field. I feel, you mm -hmm. know, um, if you're working with like some top 
makeup artist in, of the world and then mm -hmm. you're just like entering the industry i mean it can happen but right. you know they may not want to work with you and that's right. when model mayhem was popular back oh my god 10 years ago okay. model okay. mayhem was popular so we used to find models on model mayhem okay yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's like so you've got the models you've got the makeup you've got all these test shots so how did all of that kind of translate into getting into fashion week um so the way i actually started fashion week was um i had stephanie in fact uh, okay who, uh -huh. stephanie matthews so, was one of my mentors because she knows a lot of people yeah and, so go back to that pause if you can don't forget where you are but i just want to um have you emphasized the importance of like building your network and your mm -hmm. team? Because you said that you sought her out, um, you know, on Twitter, I think you said. Yep, it was on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so tell us about like, how should we be utilizing social media to enhance our career? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was anti-social media and now <laughs> I'm team social media. Like I live on it. Um, she was like my first, well, not my first, but Stephanie was like one of my first connections that I looked at as like a real photographer, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And I built a relationship with her. We've been really good friends over the years. I'm actually shooting with her this weekend. Mm -hmm. I got to get some creativity out, but um, it's so important to build relationships. But I think sometimes as artists, we feel like, I don't know, this is just my experience talking to other people um i think sometimes we think we're too good to reach out or um well why should i reach out to her she should be reaching out to me and i'm like well if you have that attitude you're never going to get anywhere like sometimes you have to put yourself in the person's face they don't know you they don't see you so you have to make that initial contact and I've been, I mean, I've, I've DM people and they said no to me. And I was like, okay, they'll say yes in six months. I'll ask them again in six months. Like, right. I'm just not going to go for no. Okay, you said no today. Maybe you had to add that. Or maybe I didn't show you the right work. You right. know, um, but a mentor is so important. I think a life mentor is important, not mm. just your mm -hmm. career. I think right. everybody should have a mentor in their career. But I also think you should just have a mentor in life, you know, like, sort of like a life coach. Yeah, maybe, maybe somebody you pay and maybe somebody you don't pay is just uh -huh. going. But mentorship is so important and building relationships. Everybody I've worked with over the last ten years, I can just pick up the phone and say, "Hey," mm -hmm. you know, right. uh, and keeping that connection going and learning, you know, listening to them because they've experienced things that maybe you haven't experienced, or maybe they know someone who right. has experienced something that you haven't experienced. Um, I like hearing other people's stories because it also helps me kind of define my story. Like, well, if he could do this or she can do that, then I know I can too. It's possible. Right. You know? So I have several mentors though. I don't just have one, but I have several mm -hmm. mentors, but she was like maybe my first in this industry okay. that I would consider a real mentor. Yeah. Um, and she connected me. I asked her about fashion week. She connected me to, oh, Brian is watching. Brian. Anyway, <laughs> she connected me to Brian Hawkins, who's a good friend of mine. And Brian, we didn't, we knew each other for Twitter. Now, this was in 2011 when Twitter was real big. And me and Brian knew each other from Twitter. And Brian 
um, direct messaged me on Twitter and said, hey, I'm, I'm meeting some shows in New York. I want to bring you on. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh my God. Like, this didn't just happen. Like, this is what I wanted. So, then, long story short, Brian's, um, I think his dad died. And he was not able to fly into New York, of course, because his dad died. So, he recommended me to another lead who was looking for artists for their show. And so that's how I got connected into Fashion Week. So if it wasn't for Brian and Stephanie, I wouldn't have been in Fashion Week. <laughs> okay, okay. So again, the relationships and the, the connections, the networking mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. really part of the key. Yep, yep. Yeah. And it sounds like you uh, also kind of extend that hand backwards and pay it, you know, I guess you could say pay it forward with bringing other artists. Definitely. Into- you have to pay it forward. It's a must. Yeah. Because somebody... You know, I hear people on, on social media say, I'm self-made. I, I did this myself. No one's helped me. And I'm like, no one is self-made. Nobody. Right. Somebody opened that door. Right. Hey, how'd you get in? You didn't get in by yourself. I mean, think about it. Somebody made a connection for you. But we don't think like that. See, I think about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Somebody opened that door. And now it's my turn to open the door and bring somebody in with me. It's just how it goes. Right. It's paying it forward. Yeah. And yeah. if everybody did that, we would be like on point. Yeah. And so far ahead. Yeah. So much farther ahead. Yeah. yeah. So walk us through. It's like, I know everybody's kind of sitting here on the edge. Like, when is she going to tell us what it's like to be, you know, working, <laughs> <laughs> working Fashion Week? And how does that part, uh, you know, feel, look, you know, it's like you have like what you imagine it to be. What was it like for you? Like, say your first time. Fashion week, my first time was super scary. I will say that. I need to say that first because I was so nervous. I didn't know what to expect right. at all. Like, I was just like, oh my God, what is going to happen? Is, am I dressed properly? Is my kit right? What do I pack? What do I do? What do I say? What do I, you know, I was just a, a bundle of nerves. But I was so excited. Um, my first fashion week was a really great experience. I will say overall, it was a great experience. There were a few little things that happened that made me go, hmm. But overall, I would say it was a great experience. Um, the few little things that happened was I was on, I've done Fashion Week, like, oh my God, since 2011 with so many shows, like so many leads, so many shows. I've led shows. Um, but I've experienced times where I walked in and I felt like they felt like I shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's, it's, it hasn't been said, mm-hmm. but the energy, I really am a person that feels people's energy. And I know that there were times where, well, who are you? Mm-hmm. Why are you here? Because I work on a lot of all white teams. Mm-hmm where it might be, I might be the only black girl and it might be two or three other. So we might have a team of 25 people, three people black, two people black, maybe one person black. Mm-hmm. But what the first thing, that was the first thing I noticed is all these teams are white. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Why? And I remember when you interviewed Ted, him saying that he knew in order, and I think about this for the music industry as well, 
-hmm. you know, when you have an artist, a musical artist, and Whitney Houston is a perfect example, they needed to cross her over, quote, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so right. that the white people would love her, not just the black community. She needed to cross over. So I remember Ted saying that in his interview, and I remember I felt like that 10 years ago when I first started out in this whole editorial fashion runway world. And I was like, well, I don't want to be labeled as a black hairstylist. I just want to be a hairstylist mm -hmm. that happens to be black. Right. But I do all hair types. I do all hair textures, which means I can do white girl, the Asian girl, the Spanish girl, black girl. I can do it all. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember him saying that. So I'm going back a little bit. So at the very beginning, when I first started building my portfolio, I, I noticed, I didn't notice it at the time, but one day I looked at my book and it was all white. Mm, my portfolio okay. was all white. There was not one black girl in my portfolio. And I was like, wait, what are you doing here? <laughs> What's going on? So I'm wondering if I was subconsciously not shooting with black models because mm -hmm. I'm thinking that black models aren't accepted, which means I won't get accepted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, another artist who shared, like she specifically did not choose black models because she knew that the work that she wanted to present wouldn't right. be accepted. And she was, you know, reflecting how bad she felt for not right. selecting some of these amazing black models. But the funny thing is that I didn't make sense. Right. But the funny thing is that at that time, I didn't really do the model selection. It was more the photographer. Mm -hmm. Right. So right. I'm wondering. Like I noticed it, of course I noticed it, but was I subconsciously feeling that way? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like, well, I don't want to shoot with a black model because if I shoot with a black model, I won't be accepted. Right. Period. Or they'll because think I'm I need a stylist. <laughs> right. Because I need to cross over. I mean, there was a time where my portfolio was so white, and my my Facebook image was always my work never me mm -hmm. because i didn't want people to know i was black i wanted them to hire me based on my skill set right that's some real sad stuff right there that you got to go through all of this <laughs> yeah yeah like i thought this through like i remember this like nine years ago like my face was like no it can't be me because i'm black right right and i got big hair uh -huh. They might be like, oh no, she's too much. Right. right. <laughs> so my yeah. my my yeah, my uh my profile picture was always white. And I remember a girl DM me one day or what is it? I message, whatever they call it on Facebook. She messaged me, she was black, but she didn't know I was black. Yeah. Uh -huh. And she wanted me to do her hair. And she started describing her hair texture and did it. And I could tell based on her message that she really thought I was white. She loved my work. Uh -huh. And I was like, girl, I am black. Okay, I got you. <laughs> she sent me a picture of her hair and everything. I was like, girl, I got you. You good. <laughs> but why do we have to go through all of this? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. And why do we have to like make these fake white portfolios to satisfy the masses? Mm -hmm. It's not fair. Like our, yeah. our, our industry is like one of the most segregated industries. 
And I didn't like, I didn't even like how I was moving. I didn't like that at all. Like I wanted a nice round, um, diverse portfolio with mm -hmm. everybody, including men, you know, a little bit of everybody in it because that is what I do. Right. I do everybody. I have male clients, I have white clients, I have Spanish clients. Right. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. So why doesn't my portfolio reflect that? So, mm -hmm. so I had to deal, deal with that like internally. Like I'm like, this is not a good thing. This is not really a good thing. Yeah. Well, fast forward us because I know when, when, you know, the George Floyd murder that your page turned from like the hair page <laughs> to, <laughs> to the, you know, fight the power. Page. Fight the power. <laughs> fight the power. Fight the power. That was crazy. I looked at my page one day and I was like, oh my God. Like you would have to scroll, scroll, scroll <laughs> to look for hair. That's so crazy. <laughs> Mm. So tell us like what was going on for you, you know, why did you feel that it was important? Because I think that's one of the, the key things is that, you know, you're the way you were feeling, you felt needed a voice and needed to be visually um, there for a purpose. So I just wonder what, you know, what your thoughts were. Or yeah, if it I was think really um, I coming out. Watching the brutal murder of Joy. George Floyd just really took me out. It, I was traumatized mm -hmm. for days. I was so, like, I, I think I cried for like two weeks straight. I just kept finding myself, like I was, and we were still in quarantine at that time. So yes. we weren't like out and about. And I was just, just bust out crying and just, I became so emotional. I was talking to my mom every day, like, oh, see, stop crying. Like, it was, horrific and then when i started watching social media and people were talking about you know the racism in a country and then the racism in a beauty industry that we never really talk about i was like oh my god this is so accurate like this is some real stuff like mm -hmm. so unfortunately poor mr floyd had to lose his life for for us to really be awakened this was like an awakening for the country, mm -hmm. um, for all black people, white people, everybody, brown people, for all of us. But, you know, black people always feel like we're not heard. And like, no one does, they don't hear us. Like, you know, I've experienced being with white people where I tried to explain something to them and they're like, that's, I don't get it, no. And I'm like, what's gonna make you get it? George Floyd made them get it. Like that whole, I mean, my DMs were going crazy. I was posting everything, everything that was going on. I was posting, reposting, and my white friends were literally DMing me like, I had no idea that this is what was going on. I had no idea. Because when I would mention things to them, they would be like, oh, no, girl, you're just seeing more into it than it is. Like, no, I'm not. You know, this is really what's going on. Like, mm -hmm. we are different. Right. You know, right. you know, people like to say the human race, that's all cute because <laughs> we all are human, but it's not realistic mm -hmm. because some people look at when they see me, they see a black woman. They don't see a woman. Right. They see a black woman and they're like, oh, my God, is she going to steal something when she walks in the store? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, she actually has money. You know what I mean? Like, this is right. real. Mm -hmm. It happens. And I know white people that have done it mm -hmm. to me. 
Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm black, I'm just not supposed to have anything. But because they're privileged, this is the, the, the mindset of someone that is privileged. Like, how dare she have more than me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so. So, yeah, I was, I was, yeah. And I'm still like. Mm-hmm. But I was I went I went off I went like off I was I had to like I'm a lot calmer than I was like middle May, <laughs> right right lot calmer, yeah, yeah it was a lot it was a lot to take in and then it was a lot to actually um, see you know it's like we see it we feel it is what what my experience is and one of the things that came about in some of those conversations you know those zooms that we were having with a lot of black artist is for me anyway, how little I've talked about anything with anybody else. And it seemed like a lot of people were saying the same thing. And, you know, for me, it's just like, okay, well, that didn't work out, brush it off, keep it moving, do the next Mm -hmm. thing. But you don't deal with, you know, one, bringing it to the attention of the person who may be, you know. Because we've been taught not to talk about it. Like Mm -hmm. we've been taught to just, it's just embedded in our, in our psyche to mm-hmm. accept these things. And I'm guilty of it. I've accepted things, should have said things, didn't say things, because I'm just kind of like, oh, I guess that's just how it is. Because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. always been like this. Like, right. I am 51 in two weeks, I think my birthday is. <laughs> it's always been like this, my entire mm-hmm. life. Like, I remember being um, eight years old in day camp, and I went to a predominantly white day camp it was probably three other black kids there besides me and i went swimming for the first time with my with my friends and all my white girlfriends and i had like ponytails got out the water you know you sit on the side of the pool hair is in this big afro i don't know i'm eight years old my hair swelled up you know how our hair does and they were gonna be like oh my god kia what is going on with your hair and I'm like, what? Oh my God. It's something wrong. I was like, what is And I'm walking around hair all over. You know how little girls look. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God. It was humiliating. I will never forget that. Never. I begged my parents for a relaxer. Mom, please. My mom was like, no, you're too young. I'm like, I have to. I have to have a relaxer. I have to. I hate my hair. I have to. When I was 10, I got my first relaxer. I go to camp that summer. So, you know, now it's relaxed and straight and silky. So I think I'm part of the, I'm part of the white girl club now. I get in the pool. I get out the pool. I'm swinging my hair like, yes. Didn't tell me nothing. But little did I know my hair was beautiful. Right. But they made me think it wasn't. Right. They think, they made me think having a relaxer was cool, was yeah. beautiful. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Crazy, yeah. right? And there's nothing wrong with relaxers and there's nothing wrong with natural hair, but it's like nothing we're all, we have all of these things that are part of our culture, you know, that makes us say it's like, oh well, I have to have this or I have to do that, which I think is yeah. bad in and of itself. Yeah, that- I, I'm a stylist. I do relaxers still. You know, a lot of stylists don't do relaxers. Mm-hmm. I of course do more natural hair, but right. I do have relaxer clients and I do not talk them out of relaxers. If that's what right. you want. And we'll do a relaxer. Most of them have short haircuts, but mm-hmm. you know, 
I'm like, if that's what you want, you you should have. You will have what you want with Kia Sterling. Okay. <laughs> right way to get clients, right? <laughs> I'm happy about how to keep their hair healthy. Yes. Um. So take us back. Like, what tips and things? Like you mentioned the kit. Like, I want to make sure we cover enough Fashion Week stuff. But oh, yeah. yeah. I do appreciate you sharing. You know your thoughts and feelings and experiences with you know, racism and with the industry and that type of thing, because I think it is important for us to acknowledge it um, and to not just keep it as something that doesn't get discussed. And, you know, when we see things, I think now everybody's kind of in this mode, like, okay, we have to address this, you know, as we're going along. Exactly. It needs to be. Um, So, you know, it's funny um, because I've worked in fashion week, in New York so much, you know, I made a lot of connections and sometimes um, artists are asking me, hey, do you have any friends that you can recommend? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sure. And I've recommended friends to work on teams in Fashion Week. And I remember this one time, um, somebody who was like, the, she was kind of like the assistant to the lead, like a co-lead, I would say. Okay. And mm-hmm. she said, um, the person I sent kit was filthy. Mm. And I was like, really? And she said, yeah, her kit was filthy. Her flat irons were filthy. And I was just like, wow, like, I probably should. I didn't think I needed to, but I think if you don't know, you don't know. But I feel like your kit should, should never be filthy because right. you do use your kit. You know, I have a couple of kits that I use, but. Mm your kit should always be immaculate because you're working on models or celebrities or whatever and nobody wants you to work on them with dirty tools or dirty flat iron so you need to be very aware of your kit so the one tip i will give is make sure that you have an immaculate kit that is the actual kit itself like the suitcase or what have you that you carry your your um tools in should be very clean and organized um, there's so many different things online. You can order um, little like um, cases that you can put like your combs in, your brushes in, so everything is organized. Mm-hmm. Your hairpin case, you know, you want a variety of sizes of pins and colors because you may be doing a blonde model, so you need the lighter right. color pins and um, long pins, short pins, bobby pins, U pins, um, ponytail holders. Like you, you want to make sure that you have everything you know combs brushes all kinds of um different combs brushes uh flat irons um different size irons you know because you don't know what you may do now sometimes you'll work on a show where they will specifically tell you what the look is or they will tell you at least what to bring in the kit so that way you're not traveling with your whole life that's (laughs) always more fun when they tell you everything to bring right sometimes they don't so you wind up having to bring a lot so Mm -hmm. you just got to be prepared but make sure it's it's Spotless. It just needs to be spotless because when you open it, you're opening opening your kit in front of everyone, mm-hmm. and you don't want to not have a together kit. To me, it's just it's all part of your look, your kit. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. Two. You did you ask me how people can get into Fashion Week? Was that the yeah question? Um, yeah. 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 And okay. what is, you know? Any more tips from behind the scenes? And- oh yeah. So another another thing is um, just connect. Um, well, first before we connect, um, practice, practice, practice. 
So the one thing that I learned at Fashion Week, the very first Fashion Week show I did was how to do a proper ponytail. Because I always thought, you know, any hairstylist knows how to do a ponytail. Ponytails are so easy. Like, a five-year-old can do a ponytail. Like, why can't, <laughs> what do you mean I can't do a ponytail? What are you talking about? So I went to this show and realized that I didn't have a strong ponytail. And I was like, <laughs> what is going on here? So one of the other stylists, she taught me a ponytail trick. And that trick has carried me through my entire career. And I always teach that trick to, um, like, my styling team in Philly. I always teach that trick when I'm traveling. If I meet a stylist that doesn't know the trick, I'm like, let me, come here. Let me, let me school you. <laughs> I got something for you. It's worth a million bucks, girl. Uh-huh. So, um, but you need to, like, really practice, practice, practice. Styling is important. Like, just knowing how to style hair. Hmm. Um, and another thing is really important at Fashion Week is speed, because sometimes you have like two seconds to do stuff. Speed. Like you just okay. speed. Like you have like, especially when models arrive late. Sometimes you know whatever for whatever reason mm-hmm. they arrive late, so you need to be able to make this happen in like two minutes. Hair and makeup, like they got five <laughs> minutes to get hair, and it's like fifteen people all over this model, and you have to be very accustomed to working under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. If you're super sensitive, backstage at Fashion Week is not for you <laughs> because you may get cursed out. You All kinds of stuff may happen. You just have to be able to just go with the flow. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's so much fun, but at the same time, you are working. And yeah. it's not like it's not like working in a salon, which is very leisure. It's, okay, we have to have this done in this amount of time. And sometimes it's a very intricate hairstyle, and you still only have three hours for prep or two hours for prep, you know, they're not gonna give you extended prep because the hairstyle's intricate. They'll just add more stylus to the team. Um, um, and, you know, um, find out who the leads are and the shows you wanna work with and which shows they do and connect with them on social media or find out what their email is and hit the contact button in their social media and shoot them a message, send them your portfolio or send them to your Instagram or your website Mm-hmm. Um, you should have a website. If you're a professional stylist, you definitely should have a website. Um, I do kind of think most people work off of people's Instagrams now, but I still think if you are considering yourself a professional hairstylist mm-hmm. or artist, period, you should have a dot com. Um, and they look to that. So, right. right. Um, what else? Um, yeah, pretty much connect with people, um, follow fashion, like, so you know what to expect. I think that's very important. A lot of people walk into it, they don't have not followed fashion, so wow. they're, like, totally out of their element. So you really need to follow what you want to do. So if it's, mm-hmm. like, you want to do the couture shows, you need to follow, like, well, this was when, like, Lincoln Center was still, like, open during fashion week, during the Mercedes-Benz days. But which shows are shown at Lincoln Center? You should know those things. So. Mm-hmm kind of want to do your homework and then reach out to the leads and those shows and see how you can get and don't take no for an answer because <laughs> sometimes they'll just be like no uh or they'll ignore you and just keep right. asking just keep asking and that's another thing we do we stop asking we people will mm-hmm. ask somebody one time i noticed this about a lot of people a lot of my friends and i'm like well did you reach out to her and they'll be like yeah i reached out to her last month but she didn't respond mm-hmm. and then i'm like well reach out again Right. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. I miss DMs, especially right. when they're right. in the 
uh, not the main, the primary and the general. Like, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Primary in general. I'm I didn't know myself. that for a little while. I was like, oh, what's yeah. all these people over here? <laughs> Why? I'm like, one day I was like, oh my god. So you may miss, or sometimes I get so many DMs that I just missed it. Like right. it happens. I've missed emails. Like, oh my god, right. I missed the email. Some so sometimes you need to just reach back out, and and we have to stop being so prideful and saying, mm-hmm. oh no, I'm just not doing it again. And I think that's what gets in our way. We get in our own way. Because we start yeah. thinking what the other person is thinking, and the and the other person is probably not even thinking about you at all. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they don't even know you. So if like, you not, <laughs> right now, when people DM me aggressively, I actually like that because I see I'm like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I like when people keep coming at me because it you're on my radar. Like I want to make sure you see me. Is what yeah. they're saying, and I'm like, good. Because I didn't see you, but now I do. And I think right. that's what people are so fearful of. We don't want to be seen. Why not? Yeah. You're amazing. You're amazing. Why wouldn't you want to be seen? I know yeah. some girls and men and men can do some hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, phenomenal. Blown away. And don't they don't even realize how amazing. I'm like, you did that? That is crazy. <laughs> Like on another yeah. level. And I'm like, and you were hiding over in the corner? Girl, come here. No, mm-hmm. don't you dare hide. Sit up straight. Right. You are phenomenal. <laughs> and everybody needs to know your fabulousness. Fabulousness. Right. Right. <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, but backstage, and, and also if you are a black hairstylist, be prepared to maybe be the only black artist on a team or one of two or three. Um you know, we are just not, we don't see ourselves backstage and fashion week often. Mm-hmm. And when we do, it's kind of like you make connections with another artist. Like, hey, black girl, it's me. How are you? <laughs> like, because you really don't see us. Or, hey, black boy, it's me. Yeah. You see me, I see you. Right. <laughs> um, and then the black models always walk in and they're like, you can see them just like scanning the room. See who's. <laughs> I want her to, and I, they have come to me so many times. Like, I want you to do my hair. I'm like, okay. and I know why because I witnessed backstage where we had a black model who had like Afro textured hair, beautiful, gorgeous, gorgeous hair, and white stylists who were not familiar with working with that texture attack her hair, and I was like, they're gonna kill her hair, and then one of the ladies said to me. Do you mind helping out? And I'm like, um, so me and another artist who was black who worked with that texture, we just finished her hair. But that should not be happening. Like right. we all, every stylist on the planet, we just all need to know the, the vast textures of hair that are in the world. Mm-hmm. It's not even a black hair, white hair thing. It's a texture thing. Right. Because you, like I said, again, when I was 19 years old, I didn't know that a lot of Jewish people actually had Afro-textured hair. I worked right. in a salon where those women got relaxers. Those women's hair looked just like mine. Mm-hmm. They got relaxers and they're not black. Right. So this whole black hair, white hair, to me, it doesn't even make sense. Cause I'm like, well, you know, it's texture. Right. Cause I have my mom's sister. My mom has really curly hair. My mom's sister's hair is super straight. Mm-hmm. Right, right. White girl hair, as they call it. 
good hair, as black folks used to say. She got that good hair. My mom told me the other day, my mom is 72 years old, and we had a conversation about hair. And my aunt, who is her sister, who's 74, who has naturally straighter hair, she, my aunt says to me, is there anything you could put in my hair and make it look like your mother? And I'm like, no. <laughs> but it's so interesting how my how my mom told me. Now my mom is 72. My mom told me this just like Saturday. She mm -hmm. said to me, I used to be so jealous of her sister's hair mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when they were growing up because you know they grew up in the 50s mm -hmm. when you know you if you had you know textured hair, you were like, oh my god. And you know, my <laughs> aunt was looked at, you know, light skins, pretty hair. And my aunt, my mom was light skinned afro <laughs> looking like angela davis you know what i mean like and that was just not acceptable right in the 60s so i just find it interesting how they how my mom loved you know she grew into loving her hair because she wears it naturally curly and mm -hmm. my, my mom gets so many compliments and my aunt is always like i want my hair to be like your mom because my mom just does wash and go okay she keeps it like i do her cut and her color and then she just, just does a wash and go where my aunt is like still getting it like blown out and curled and she just wants to be able to wake up and go like that and right. so it's just funny how the tables have turned now yeah yeah the tables and, my, turned, and yeah. i found in my career that nobody really loves their hair that they yeah. want but any whoever is like can i have that it's like if my exactly. hair it's like if i be straight it's like if mine's straight exactly can exactly <laughs> so um anyway getting back to i had this sidebar with that but anyway getting back to fashion week um so you know i see models of course look for the black artists when they're mm -hmm. black models because again they're not too many and I've, I've had conversations with black models where they're like i'm so happy you're here or why aren't there more black artists um hairstylists and makeup mm -hmm. artists that work backstage and and then i'm like well, why aren't there more black models like you know this is a conversation and you know where what happens is you get these black models and then the artists can't work on their hair mm -hmm. and their hair winds up being a mess. You know, I remember one show I did some years back where uh, the lead, the, 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 the actual hairstyle wind up being a braid look. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, the lead has a test with the designer and okay. when the lead did the test, a hair test, hair and makeup test. So when the lead did the test, the designer, probably was like this is the look I want I want braids mm -hmm. but all leads can't braid either a lot of people don't know that sometimes leads can't braid there mm -hmm. are things that leads may not be able to do so they rely on their team to do it um so somebody on the team asked me to recommend some hair artists that um braided so I bought uh like four of my friends that did braids and it was so interesting because it was just like the the assistant lead she braided um she was white she was out of like 25 hairstylists one white person knew how to braid mm, and wow. then me the other assistant lead and then four the stylists that i brought with me it was like six of us i think did the entire show wow the, the hairstyle mm -hmm. <laughs> and i was like crazy you gotta be kidding me mm -hmm. Like, this, these things have to change. And then I, I had to ask myself, 
did you did you guys ask me to bring because i was like the only black stylist did you ask me to bring other black stylists who I don't even want to say black stylists, braiders, braiders, mm-hmm. um, because you knew that they couldn't braid? Would you have asked them to come if it wasn't a braid hairstyle? That's my question. I don't right. even have a problem with you asking me to come because I knew how to do the look. But would you have asked my friends to come who were black, mm-hmm. all four of them, if this hairstyle was a different look? Mm-hmm. Would you have invited? black artists right and i just i honestly don't think they would have and that's mm-hmm. me being honest i do not think they would have they will call on the black artists in a minute when they have a hairstyle that's more uh black <laughs> <laughs> yeah black, you know so but yeah so I've, I've experienced some really, yeah, some strange things, like why are you here? I remember one time I was leading the show years ago and um, it was so funny that um, this woman, she was like walking around, the, the lead makeup artist was, um, actually this, this was, do you remember, you guys remember Katoma Malu from Project Runway? Oh. I don't know. If you're a Project Runway fan, you remember her. Well, anyway. Okay. I led her show some years back. This happened twice. It just her mm. show just popped in my head. But um, and she's a black designer, but they had press backstage and they were walking around. They always want to talk to the leads, mm-hmm. hair and makeup, and the lead makeup was white. She mm-hmm. was mad cool. But they they found her. And I remember when they walked into the hair area, they just kept walking around, kept walking around. And they walked over to one of one of the girls on my team was white. It was a few, it was maybe three white artists on my team. Mm-hmm. They walked over to the white artist. I, I see everything. They walked <laughs> over to the white artist to interview her because they thought she was the lead of the show. And I was like, Wow. What? Wow. Hi, actually, I'm the lead. I'm Kia Sterling. How are you? Wow. So yeah, you did stuff like that. And I, I was so annoyed that night. I'll never forget that. I was so annoyed that they right. just overlooked me. Right, right. You know, I blend right in with the rest of my team. What I had about three white art, most of the artists were black, but it was like three. And they chose one young lady who was a fabulous artist. Right. She kind of moved me out the way and said, oh, hi, and put the mic right up to her mouth. And I was like, and she was sitting there looking like that's the lead right there. Right. <laughs> like she even she kind of looked like, why are you interviewing me? Because you're privileged and you're white. Yeah. yeah. Wake up, girl. Yeah, that's that's the thing I hate. Um, it's like we're we're getting low on our time. So it's like I know we want to spend something here, but I want to get to one other thing before we close out. But um, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I think that like little black girls and and boys and what have you should have every opportunity to do whatever it is that they want to do and to not be uh, marginalized you could say because they happen to be black you know that that we are um, artists Mm -hmm. that we are leaders we are what have you but the perception is if we're there that we're there to do black hair or you know mm-hmm. like you say someone else must be the lead because it couldn't be could have been. there's no way possible it could have been a black girl no way yeah yeah and i was offended i was like so offended right. yeah and rightfully yeah. so 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's, you know, like you, like you've obviously from our time here put in the work, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) To earn the places that you have been and are. And to have that, like, almost like, doesn't matter. Yeah, it was. You are whatever, just because you happen to be a black artist or black woman. It was like, wow. Like, I will never forget that moment. I was just like, that's really deep. And then the white um, interviewer turned to me and she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, whatever. You didn't see what you should have done is walk by and and maybe ask the designer who the lead was, or I don't know, but maybe say, hey, who's the lead? Or walk up to the white girl and say, who's the lead? Not assume she, I saw the whole thing in front of me. Like it, right, I was like right. three feet from it. And I was like, wow. And yeah. I knew, and like some of the stylists on my team, I was actually friends with, and they looked at me like, that's crazy. Like mm-hmm. crazy. And hurtful. So, yeah. Very hurtful. Because we can work just as hard but we can't work, no, we can't work just as hard as they do. We have to work 10 times harder. Right. And still get treated with the side eye. Like, come on. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, you're amazing. You're an amazing black hairstylist. No, right. I'm, I'm right. an amazing stylist, period. Exactly. What is this black white thing? Like, let's not do that anymore. This is like ridiculous. And yeah. I know where it comes from, you know, but we need to try to do things to change it because it's it's just a lot. It's it's, it's exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> it's exhausting. <I> <laughs> it's exhausting. And now, and it's so funny now. Like when I shoot, I still would love. I I just want my portfolio to be more diverse. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely trying to work with more black models because I I need my portfolio to look like more like me. You know, I just need it to be a little bit more diverse. You know, still love my white models, but just needed to be a little bit more diverse than than it has been. Yeah. So so talk to us about Beauty Underground because I, I really want to want everybody to know what it is and how you got to be part of it. So tell us about that. So, yeah, um, Charlie Price is the founder of Beauty Underground. He's one of my mentors. He's amazing. If you're watching, Charlie. Hey. <laughs> um, so the way I met Charlie. OK, go away. Let's go back to I think it was 2006 when he was on Sheer Genius. And I thought he was just so sassy, just my type of man. I was like, I love him. <laughs> and, but he was an amazing hairstylist. And I followed him on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And I was following his career back then. But long story short, we're running out of time. I reached out to him on, um, I would always comment on his pictures, like on his work. I would always leave comments. And when you have like a large following and you get a lot of comments, sometimes you miss them. So mm-hmm. I was just comment, you know, making comments. I never DM'd him. I would just make comments. And one day I made a comment. I can't remember the picture or what I said. But whatever I said caused him to go on my page and start to look at my work. Okay. That's when my page was full of work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he DM'd me and was like, um, he asked me what my website was or something. And I sent him my website. And he came back, he was like, oh my God, your work is phenomenal, it's amazing, we need to connect. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, what? I was <laughs> am I really talking to the Charlie Price? Like, this is crazy. So, <laughs> you know, we connected, I was so excited. Like, I was um, just so hyped at the time. And um, then we started, he brought me into 
um, who was it? It was it was uh, Naha. It was because um, the Beauty Underground did a Naha segment. Oh, okay. Like because uh, sometimes uh, different um, teams do segments at these big shows, and we mm -hmm. did a segment, and I was invited to come and do the segment with them. Okay. This was like three years ago, I think. So I did the segment, loved it, had an amazing time. And oh my God, it was such an amazing, amazing experience. And then uh, I just started doing New York Fashion Week with them. And then the second meeting I had with him, he was like, he introduced me actually as, you know, he had everybody introduced himself. It was like 50 hairstyles in the room. Everybody went around and introduced themselves that where they're from, because they were from all over the world. And so when I got up to, when it was my turn to say who I was, he introduced me and he said, Kia is the newest member of the Beauty Underground. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, so one of my friends that's on the team, she's black too. She said it was only me or her. Um, and it's another, it's three of us that are black. She said, that's just how he does it. Like he doesn't give you a formal letter or email <laughs> you this nice little email. He just like, girl, I'm feeling you. You need to be here. And that's the end of that. Like, okay. I was like, oh my God, I'm so amazed. Like, I can't believe it. <laughs> so anyway, so that's kind of how I got put on the team. So, mm -hmm. um, but Charlie is all, uh, he's just phenomenal in my eyes. Like, he has always, like, like I said, he has always wanted more black artists. He, we talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. um, because the team is predominantly white. There's three artists that are black, me and another young lady and a guy. Um, but he's always talking about, you know, um, getting more black artists. He's, he's, I've always felt at home, mm -hmm. never felt uncomfortable, never felt like, oh, she's a black girl. Let her, you know, this, I always felt welcome. I never felt uncomfortable at all. So, but, you know, we travel all around the world, we do shows in London and, um, what's the other place? London, uh, Spain. We do, uh, the alternative show. Mm. The alternative show is cool. It's in London. If any of y'all get a chance to go to that show, go. Yes. Even if you just go just to be a guest. Yes. That show is so <laughs> dope. I had a ball. Like, it's so dope. But it's just been a wonderful experience. I've learned so much. We had, you know, Ruth Roche is on the team. We have an amazing, um, like, what we call the masters that are on the team. Mm. They are phenomenal and you just, I love working around different artists because I pick up so many things that I'm learning. I've learned so much just hanging out with them. And it's so funny. They always say, oh my God, I learned so much from you. I learned so much from you. And I'm like, cause I guess sometimes you don't think people are really paying attention or you, I guess, you know, you bring value, but sometimes it's just something that you do all the time. I remember one right. show, Charlie said to me, we were in New York, we had a black model and I pressed her hair out she had a, like an afro and he, they wanted it really sleek and I pressed it and then I silk wrapped it and they were watching me and, and this is something I do every day in the salon like this is nothing <laughs> big to me right and right they were like oh my god Charlie said when where'd you learn how to do that and I was like I don't even remember like it's just, you know what I mean like it was just kind of like something right. you do but um they they always talk about how they learn so much from me and some of the other black artists but we learn from them too and we're not afraid to like share. Right. Because one thing about me, I love to share. I love to share. 
Like, I'll just give it to you. What you need? Come here. I'll teach you. I'll just show you how to do it. Because somebody did it for me. Right. Somebody showed me how to do it. So we have to share. That's so important. That we're not afraid that someone will steal our shine. Because, well, she knows a little bit more than me. So I don't, you know, I want to excel more than she does. So if I teach her this technique, this is going to... We got to stop that. We got to love on each other, period. Black, white, all of us together. We just need to love on each other and support each other. Mm-hmm. This will, I know it sounds so corny because I say it all the time. The world would be so much, so, so in such a better place if we just loved on one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about when you're in a sad, when you're having a sad day or a bad mood and someone calls you who, who makes you feel good, because I always say, it's so important to keep people around you that make you feel good. Like for instance, you ever are you ever around someone that your energy literally shifts when you're around that person? Like it drops, it becomes your your energy. You feel like, oh my God, because the person is so negative, right? And it just sucks you in. But we don't realize it. See, I notice things like that. I notice how my energy goes up and right. down when I'm around certain people. The people where it drops, I try to stay away. The people where it right. stays up, and I'm always trying to up everybody's energy because I want everybody to be happy and feel good. I know it sounds corny. We all have bad days. It's just part of life. We're going to have a bad day. But I try to think very positive. You know, I meditate every morning. I'm Mm -hmm. big on, you know, I I try, I don't watch TV. You know, I listen to music. I meditate. I read books. Um, I do watch like documentaries and stuff like that. But I can't, you know, the ear gates and the eye gates are really important. What you take in and mm-hmm. some stuff, I'm just like, I can't take that in because that's just right. going to change my whole mental. And it's easy to get stuck into negative energy. But yeah. it's just as easy to get stuck into positive energy. Right. But you sometimes have to be intentional with that positive energy to make sure Very. Like, keeping Very. the right Cause you, around you. Because you can get sucked in. Either way, you can get sucked in. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I feel it. When I'm having one of those days, I literally feel it. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I feel it when it's happening. I'm like, oh my god, I feel it. Or sometimes I don't think some. Sometimes I don't think we are as aware of ourselves as, as we need to be. Yeah, that's so important. We're so focused on being artists and being amazing and cutting color hair and color and cutting, <laughs> styling and wigs. And we, you know, but what are we as people? You exactly. know, are we aware? Are we aware? Are we being a loving friend? Are we being a loving family member? Are we just being supportive? Just hey. Honey, I'll take the trash out. You got the dishes. Like, we have each other's back. Like, period. My mom is big on that. And that's where I get that from. Like, if you're my friend, I have your back. Period. Whatever you, what do you need? You can't do this, but I have you. And that's how we just need to work in environments like that. Yeah. Just be very supportive. It just makes, I want people around me to feel good. Mm Because it makes me feel good. Even when I'm having a bad day, if I do something to make someone else feel good, Right. And it starts to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. It's <laughs> just shifting that energy. Cause we can, and then you you can also get sucked into it and just live there. You know, we all had that experience. But how did that work? Mm-hmm. It didn't work out real well, you know? Right. So that doesn't right. work for me. Yeah, I love you talking about that because I think it's so important for us to be conscious of, you know, our energy and the people around us and and so I think that's a great place for us to press pause and just say, this has been so fabulous. <laughs> I really appreciate you being here and everything that you shared is just like so impactful. It's like, like I said, I was taking notes 
out <laughs> as you were going. So I hope everybody else has gotten um, a lot out of it. And definitely, you know, you guys can put in the um, comment section, you know, what stood out to you about what Pia shared because it's like so many amazing. It went nuggets. by so fast. I don't remember even what I talked about. I know, right? <laughs> Yeah, we looked up and it's like, whoa. But um, yeah, it's like, this has been amazing. And yes, it has been. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And thank you for sharing so generously and just, you know, so openly as far as, you know, your experiences and what it was like getting started and even your influences. I, I, I can, we're, we're kindred spirits. Some of the things that you mentioned as childhood, um, oh, yeah. very similar to, <laughs> to mine. So, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank you for being here and thank you so much. Thank everybody who is here now um, watching us live and also anybody watching the replay. And um, again, invite you guys to, you know, subscribe to the, um, the channel for YouTube because you don't want to miss any of the folks that are coming up. Um, and I'm sure you got some good people because you've had some really, really good people before me. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited. So next month is going to be, which starts next Tuesday, um, and I want to um, to post up. I'm not so good at this part yet, but let's see if I can. There was a, a lovely um, comment here that I wanted to see um, if I can. Yeah, uh, show that. Okay. <laughs> so Rockstar Cut says, wow, that was amazing. Great advice. Thanks. And oh, you're welcome. And Barbara Hall Bryant is sending you love. Miss Barbara. <laughs> and um, it's like we've got some lovely comments from Facebook, but some of them I don't have names. So thank you, everybody who oh, posted. Thank you Facebook. all. There's a way you can put your your uh, name in there, and then we can actually show who you are. So um, thank you for all of the folks. These are some of probably some of our folks from um, from the Facebook group. So we'll have to come okay. and hang out with you guys in the Facebook group. Kia has some other stuff she wants to share just about our health and taking care of us. Oh, yeah, it'll be fun. Doing what we're doing. Thank you guys for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Yes, yes. And then um, it's like Thomas St. Jacques. Thomas. <laughs> I like, love me some Thomas. Yes, absolutely. So, um, <laughs> and, um, we're so glad that you guys were able to join us and thank you for your comments. And again, feel free to share yes. what stood out for you about the amazing things. Um, oh, it might be, I'm not sure if that's my sister, but it says, yes, her childhood is just like you. <laughs> that probably was your sister. Okay. You, right? <laughs> yep. But, um, but yeah, it's like coming up, we've got Barbara month for September and it's like, I've got an oh, amazing lineup. Cool. We start out with John Mosley, who many of you may know as the popular nobody. So the popular nobody is going to be here sharing Barbara wisdom. And cool. then we go on to Eric Cheek and Eric is just, you know, Barbara extraordinaire, Barbara educator extraordinaire. But one of the things that stands out for me is his love of his family. And so I want to kind of, how do you bridge all of those things? Having a great salon, having an educational career while you're on the road and still, you know, being that committed person with family and, yes. and his artistry is just magnificent. So he's ventured out into doing um, 
like he did the art on the on the hair on the head. I, I love it. Oh, I want to watch that. I love it. Yeah. I'm fascinated yeah. by that. Yeah, yeah. and he's That's he's so doing cool. other art now as well. So it's like I can't wait to hear about that. And then you guys, you guys are, gonna, are like the first to to know because I'm just just releasing this now. But um, we have a very special guest who's coming. Not that all of our guests aren't special, but um, called the, the goat, the greatest of all time. Yes. Barry Fletcher is going to be joining. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. I need to make sure I watch that. Yeah, it'll be September awesome. 15th, I believe. Um, yeah, he was he was all there back in the day. I remember him yeah, when I was young. Yeah, yeah he's all awesome. Yeah, and so he's going to be here to share. I mean, I've, we need like 20, 30 minutes just to do his bio and accolades. So uh, <laughs> he's done it all. Yes, absolutely. If y'all don't know who he is, we, use Google. Remember? Yes. Google, um, go to his page on Facebook. He just shared like a chronology of a lot of his uh, accomplishments through the years. And, and, you know, yeah. I've known him for, for most of those years and, and just an incredible person and can't wait to, to bring him here and just have him share his own experiences. And um, so that is going to be super special. He's the first of our legends. We're going to have our legends. Oh, nice. Here. Oh, my Great. God. That's going to be nice. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Then Kimberly Coleman is our next guest. And some of you may or may not know her name, but she is um, a black artist. She's actually a barber in addition to being a hairstylist, but she's a barber. And not only is she a barber, but she cuts white hair and she works on Capitol Hill. And so Ooh. she talked to us about what that experience is like. Uh, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And she's phenomenal. So I can't wait to have her here and have her share. And then we have Gerard Holloway, who is, you may or may not know his name, but it's like he's local to this area. And his topic is all on grooming and growing men. It's like mm -hmm. he is a barber. He's a barber educator. It's like he teaches in schools. And he's so committed to helping young men have that role model and have the things that they need to do to become amazing men in our community as well as in the industry. So I um, love that. That yeah, is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm super excited about all of them. And I think we'll go into um, October with Legends Month. So we'll have Legends each of the days. I haven't got all of those set up, so we're, we're putting it together. And then we're going to talk about um, retailing and kind of making some additional um, sources of income because we need some multiple streams of income. So mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've got a lot of exciting stuff lined up for you guys. And I hope you'll oh, continue cool. to share the word, invite a friend, tag somebody and mm -hmm. let them know um, because anybody that's interested in the beauty industry, we've got something for you. And we definitely want to celebrate our barbers because the barber, the barber industry has gotten so hot. It's crazy. Yeah. And so the barbers are important. We forget about the barbers, but they are so important. They are. There's some dope, are. dope barbers out there. I'm like mesmerized. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And with the, you know, the beard game getting so strong and the man weaves and we've got all kinds of I stuff. I know. <laughs> Going on with the barber, so we want to salute them and um, can't wait to bring you these guys. Man, weeds are so popular now. It's so funny. Like they're not afraid. Right, not right. Afraid. It scares me that they look so natural. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. They're not afraid. It's like wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
So this has been amazing. I was like, I want to invite anybody that's here to um, visit Beauty Superstars. I have a free gift for you. Um, if COVID had an effect on your finances, it's like there's a financial survival guide for um, hairstylists. It's a video. And you can just go to the um, beautysuperstars.com website and put in your email and it'll be sent right to you. So I hope that will help and, um, you know, get us back on track with our finances after COVID. So, uh, well, still during COVID, but it's like we've survived the first hurdle. First, so, yeah. 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 And we didn't even get to talk about that, but we'll, we'll, we will be in touch and we have to do something on the Beauty Superstars page. So if you're not already a member, be sure to join us on the Facebook, um, on Facebook, um, Beauty Superstars group. Um, and you can join us and we'll have some additional uh, conversations there. So mm -hmm. again, thank you, Kia. I really appreciate you. Thank here. you, Mickey. You are so amazing. I love how you're just putting this all together and letting our voices be heard because yeah. otherwise we wouldn't have a voice. So yeah. you're magical. You're magical. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's like we do need to hear your voices. We need your um, your education, your motivation, all of the things that you bring to the table and your, um, what I like to call it, our flavor. So uh, yes, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so everybody have a wonderful evening. Thanks for joining us. And we will see you next Tuesday. Mark your calendar and go ahead and set a reminder for joining us then. Take great care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.